Hello and welcome to another recording on the Promotion Playbook Podcast. I hope that you're enjoying this series that we're currently in. So we're currently covering this series on firefighter fitness. And the reason I'm doing this is because in order to be successful with your career, you have to take care of your body. So the big part of this series is covering this framework, which I shared on the last episode. This framework is called the capacity pyramid. And there's five levels, there's five stages, five elements, five life forces. So there's five things in this capacity pyramid that's gonna help to optimize your health, your vitality, your well-being, and your fitness levels. It's, it's designed to give a, a holistic approach to optimize your fitness and not just increase your bench press or give you bigger biceps or things like that. It's, it's, um, it's designed to give you more energy, more vitality, hopefully a longer, healthier, uh, better balanced life so that you can um, experience the best that life has to offer and then get the promotion playbook and then get your promotion and continue to live a, a long, healthy life and enjoy a good, long, healthy career. So this is the last, this is the last podcast I'm going to do before I do this. I've got this hundred mile run that I am attempting this weekend. And it's driving me a little bit crazy because I've never ran a hundred miles before. And I'm not really designed to run a hundred miles, but I'm, it's kind of a mix of excitement and terror. And I'm really obsessed on getting on applying this capacity pyramid framework towards my attempt to run a hundred miles. So the race is called the, the stagecoach, uh, the stagecoach hundred mile run. And it goes from Flagstaff to the Grand Canyon. And I, my goal is to complete a hundred miles in 30 hours. If I can do that, then I'll get a belt buckle and bragging rights. And on, I'm going to continue the fitness series um, through September. So at least for the next, for the rest of September, I'll be doing recordings about fitness and health and sharing this capacity pyramid book. The end result from this race is that I'll, ha I'll have a guide, um, a real practical workbook as a result that I'm happy to share with you as the listener on how you can apply this capacity pyramid framework to optimize your health and your vitality for whatever it is that you're looking to get out of life. So enough about my race. Um, today we're going to talk about the three. So the title for today is you are not what you eat. And so we're going to talk about this part of the, this framework that I shared with you yesterday, the framework of the capacity pyramid. And we're going to talk about this part. If, if you saw the picture, I shared the picture on uh, social media, on Instagram and Facebook. Also, you may have received it by text or, or, um, I may have shared it with you through another format, but the, um, this capacity pyramid is, is basically a pyramid and the pyramid represents the human body. And then on the outside of it is I put the element of light and I, I've got like in that diagram, I have the sun to emphasize the importance of light. I'm going to add a different layer. Um, it's so that framework is being modified in this process. But today we're going to talk about it, it. So if you saw that picture, you'll notice that at the base of the pyramid, so metaphorically is that the pyramid represents your body and the space that your body contains outside of it. So there's five elements to this capacity pyramid. Those five elements are light, air, water, 
fuel and function. So light, air, water, fuel, and function. And on that, four of them are, are um, inside the body. And then light is something that is, that is on the outside, just to make it, I don't know, that's how the diagram currently exists. But if you saw the picture underneath it, there's these three stages that occur. And these occur in terms of thinking of your body as the, the, as the space of this pyramid. So in this metaphor, in this conversation of the capacity pyramid, your body is that pyramid on this framework. What to notice about the framework is that the base of this pyramid is the most foundational and then it moves up from there. So because it's a pyramid framework, air is the foundation um, and most primary. It's kind of like, you know, if, if you've been an EMT or a paramedic, I'm sure you've heard about the airway, breathing and circulation or a CPR, they would, you know, it would change the compressions, airway, breathing, but I'm sure you've heard the framework of check the ABCs. You got to check the airway, the breathing and the circulation. This is kind of like that, but, but it's a little bit different. So, so you got the, you got air at the bottom, you got water next, then you have your fuel, which is nutrition. And then function is at the top. If you think about these, these, the different levels from a survival perspective is that you can only go a, a few minutes without air. That's why it's at the base. You can only go, you know, a few days without water. Some people say three days, but there's a lot of variation in terms of where you're at and your exertion, things like that. You only go, let's just say you can only go three days without water, without food. You could probably go 30 days. Some people have fasted for a year or longer. So, so we'll just say 30 days without food. And then the top, if you do not move your body, you'll probably die within a few months because stagnation kills. Maybe not a few months, but the body's not designed to be stagnant for long periods of time. So um, all that is just to give a summary of this concept that we're going to build on. And then today we're talking about these three phases of it. So the pyramid, which is a hierarchical structure, and then on the left of the pyramid. So you think about for these three, the three areas that we're covering today is we have, we have intake, we have uptake, and we have output. So on the left, you figure is that the flow on this diagram is that it goes from left to right. So the intake would be on the left. The uptake would be actually what goes inside of the pyramid. And that's why it's metaphorically your body, the boundary of your body is that things that you uptake go in the pyramid. And then the output is things that leave the pyramid. So intake, uptake and output. And that's why the name of this title is that you are not, you are not what you eat. You are a combination of what you eat, what you can use or uptake or assimilate in your body, and then what you can excrete or get rid of. If you're not eating, it can lead to problems. If you're eating but not absorbing the food or it's not going to the right place, that can be a problem. And if you're not eliminating the waste, that can be a problem. So these are three really critical pieces of this pyramid. And for each of these five levels, there is going to be, there's four levels in the pyramid and then you have the light. So for each of these five elements, there is uh, a, this, this, there's a different way to apply these three different parts of it. So again, 
you have the intake, you have the uptake, and then you have the output. And for today's example, I'm gonna talk about water. So we're gonna to go to the second level, which is water. I'm gonna give you an example that I experienced a few years back um, in terms of hydration. So the setting of, of this story is that I was, I was working as a, um, a firefighter paramedic. I might've been moved up in the engineer position, but I was working at station three in Sedona, Arizona, which is in the village of Oak Creek. So the village of Oak Creek is a community that's just south of Sedona. It's right by this big red rock called Bell Rock, real popular hiking location and, and scenic red rock views. And so it's part of, um, of my employment of, at the time, still currently employed with Sedona Fire District. I was working at that station and it was a hot day. It was summer. We were busy. We were running some medical calls. I think we had a couple of calls where we had to hike people off of the rock. I don't think we had a fire that day. You know, we, we don't get a ton of fires there, but sometimes we do get the fires, but it was a fairly busy shift. And I'm usually really good at drinking water. And that day I was really good at drinking water. And at the time, all of the stations were set up with reverse osmosis water. So most, most purified water uses reverse osmosis. And so that just uses a membrane and it pushes the water through it. And it's, it's really, really pure water. And it, it tastes clean and there's no, there's very, it eliminates the bacteria and everything else. And it's a super pure source of water, reverse osmosis. Most purified water, as of the time of this recording, uses that process. And so we had all of our fire stations equipped with, with RO filters. And we'd use these filters. And I was drinking water all day, but I still had this headache. And I couldn't figure it out. I was drinking, and I was drinking, and I was drinking. And it seemed like the more water that I would drink, the more, uh, the more I started to, you know, my headache persisted. I had fatigue. I felt tired. I didn't feel right. And I started to wonder if maybe, you know, maybe, um, you know, maybe I was getting sick or something like that. And so regardless, it didn't matter how much water I drank, I still was felt dehydrated. And then I'm just going pee. So I was peeing a lot. I was drinking a lot of water, but I still felt like crap. And all I wanted to do was just to feel better. So regardless of how much water I, I would drink, I was still in pain. I was still fatigued and I was still feeling bad. And what I ended up figuring out is that it, it, the problem that I was experiencing is that if you've ever been in Arizona during the summer, is that it, it's, it's very common in this region, in Sedona, and of course with Phoenix, is that temperatures will get over 100 degrees and the humidity level is usually pretty low. So you lose a lot of moisture through sweating, through breathing, um, and through evaporation of being outside in the heat. So if you're active in the heat, you're gonna require a lot of water. The problem I was experiencing that day was not the, the lack of volume, it was the lack of salt. Is I wasn't consuming enough salt, I didn't have electrolytes. There's a very common problem that happens with, with purified water or reverse osmosis water, especially in hot, hot dry climates, is that you intake, so, so this model looks at, so the intake wasn't a problem for me. I was, I was drinking a lot of water. The problem I was experiencing is with the uptake of the water is that my cells would, what, they were not able to hold on to that water because it, they didn't have the sodium 
or the other electrolytes so that my cells could uptake this water and hold on to it. Instead, that water would come into my system and the cells couldn't retain it. And so it just ended up flushing it out. So the intake was fine, my output was fine. And so you think about a lot of times, maybe you've gone through a fire academy or maybe you've just done some physical exertion and most places have gotten good about drinking and staying hydrated, especially in hot climates. Like, you know, you gotta drink a lot of water, you should be getting breaks to drink water and then making sure that you're peeing. A very common, you know, a, a common example on how hydrated you are is they say that your pee should be um, you know, kind of like a light yellow color. It, generally speaking, is that your pee should not be dark and, and have a strong smell to it. You should be able to, to have urine that's, that's um, not too clear. If it's too clear, you might be drinking too much. Um, but you want to you wanna be urinating freak enough, which for me, in these endurance races, it's at least every three hours, potentially more. But let's just say pee every three hours during activity is kind of a minimum level that you should be at. If you've gone all day on shift and you haven't, and it's hot and you've been active and you haven't used the restroom at all, that can be a problem of dehydration. So, so the intake and the output was good for me. The problem was with the uptake. And so the, the problem was that I was drinking this purified water and this, the other, the problem with purified water is that it's so pure, it doesn't have any minerals in it. And so under uh, minerals are really important for us to main to hold on to that water and also for the cells to use it for their proper function. The main minerals are the electrolytes, sodium, potassium, magnesium, and chloride are the most common ones that you see in these electrolyte drinks that are a lot more common. So to fix the problem is I needed to add electrolytes to that water or I needed to drink a, a source of spring water or maybe what we currently have, which if a big takeaway from this episode that could be helpful is to look at this company called Berkey. Berkey water filters are a, a real basic, simple water filter that sits on the countertop. And in Sedona, we've got them at, at all the stations. I've got one at my house. It does a great job of eliminating the impurities from the water, but it doesn't strip all the minerals out of it. So it uses these, um, I believe they're carbon filters or not real sure the filter, but it uses a gravity feed system. It filters out the water, but it doesn't take everything out like the RO water does. So if you're drinking a lot of purified water, you experience headaches in the afternoon when it's hot, you may wanna consider adding some more salt to your water because with salt, specifically pink Himalayan salt is gonna be the best. That's gonna help you to uptake that water. Gatorade and Powerade and a lot of these other conventional drinks that are out there, their electrolyte profile is, is very minimal. It's more, it's more hype and it's a lot more, if you look at, they put a lot more sugar in it and food coloring than they do electrolytes. So start paying attention to the sodium, the potassium and the magnesium. You can also look at chloride that's in what you drink and that's really gonna help you to uptake. So to optimize the uptake of water, you need to use the right balance of electrolytes. And so that's one example based on, um, you know, based on the water level of this pyramid. And so start thinking about, um, real briefly, I'm just gonna talk about how it might apply to these other areas, and then that'll be it for this episode. So the big takeaway is you're not what you, we're gonna say you're not what you consume, you are what you're able to uptake 
and eliminate. So three areas, you have intake, you have the uptake, and then you have your output or elimination. You can play with the words however you want, but intake, uptake, output. Intake, uptake, and output. So let's look at these, these, uh, these levels. Under the sun, uh, with light, I don't know that it quite applies as much. Well, I guess it could with light. So we'll look at the level of light. And I mentioned in the last episode, it's good to get um, a moderate amount of natural sunlight every day and get your skin exposed to that because it helps you to create more vitamin D. So if you if you do that and you have more fair skin, then it's easier for you to get some sunshine and make vitamin D. The darker skin complexion you have, the more diff the more sunlight you're going to need to create that vitamin D from the sun. So I encourage you that you take a vitamin D supplement. I recommend that you get your, your vitamin D level tested by your doctor to see where you're at. And then you add supplementation in addition to getting some natural sunlight every day if you have that option where you live because vitamin D is a big part that could help optimize your health. And the best time to take vitamin D is in the morning as is the best time to get sunlight. So light kind of applies, maybe not the most practical example with with sunlight and the use of, of light. We also talk about the hot and cold, but we'll move on to the, the pyramid and we'll start with the base of air. So as you're listening to this, if you're alive, you're gonna be breathing. So a real good example of um, what I recommend in terms of an app for breathing is the Wim Hof app. You can just look it up, W-I-M-H-O-F-F. Wim Hof has a great breathing app, which is a great breathing technique that I'm a really big fan of. He's helped a ton of people, including a lot of big names with, with um, Wim Hof's a great, a great resource to consider. But another example is box breathing. So box breathing is where you take four seconds inhale, you hold for four seconds, you exhale for four seconds, and then you pause for four seconds. So you picture you, picture you make a box with four seconds on each end of your breathing. So inhale, hold for four seconds, exhale for four seconds, hold for four seconds. And that's box breathing. Box breathing is an example, is an excellent example of how this, this, mo this model applies, is that the intake is the inhale, the uptake is where you pause between your breath. So if nothing else, a good way to increase your breathing is to intentionally pause longer between breaths as frequently as possible. So when you take a deep breath in, you expand, the diaphragm uh, opens up, it expands the chest cavity, expands the lungs. And when the lungs are expanded, then the alveoli, those little sacs that are within your lungs, can then uptake the oxygen and excrete the carbon dioxide. Uptake the oxygen, output the carbon dioxide, you breathe out the carbon dioxide. And then if you can pause for a rest, then you'll end up breathing again. So there is another phase of this. I didn't mention to keep, uh, to keep things simple, but you have intake, uptake, output, and rest. Rest is not on it for the sake of, I, I, didn't, I didn't add it, but you have intake, uptake, output, and then it's nice to have a pause between these because in that space, something can occur. So with breath, look up box breathing, and there's some great apps that you can find Box breathing is a great training to help uh, help develop your breathing. Box breathing or the Wim Hof app. 
Next, we look up water. We already talked about water. So when you intake water, you want to get the right intervals that you're drinking enough, but also make sure that you have the right balance of electrolytes with your water. So um, air, water. So with your food, some basic things with food is that you want to get your nutrition right. I like the Bulletproof diet in terms of what I follow, but there's different diets that work for different people. So I'm not going to give you specific diet advice. What I will say is that the time that you eat matters, the intervals that you eat matter. So generally speaking, a lot of people in the United States have a tendency to overeat. We eat because of habit. We eat because of emotions. We eat because of social uh, surroundings and conditions. And so as a general rule, if you want more energy, in many situations, it's better to eat less frequently. So intermittent fasting is, is very popular right now. It's something I've had good results with. And that's just eating. You only, you only eat during a certain window during the day, and then you don't eat at other times. So that's the intake. You have an intake window of when you eat, but it's also the amount that you eat, the things that you eat. There's a lot to the intake piece of it. The uptake is that the biggest, I would say the, the most important part of eating is when you eat, be present to your food and don't just scroll on your phone as you're scarfing down food is that there's a, there's a very complex process that happens when you're eating. The process starts with, with smelling the food, with preparing the food, with seeing the food. And you'll notice when you start to see that food prepared, your mouth starts to water, you start to secrete these, these enzymes that are going to break down the food and you get your body ready to uptake that food. Then as you're chewing, you know, you smell the food before you eat it. Once you once you put it in your mouth, you should chew it and fully break it down. A very a, a simple rule to follow, which is difficult for most of us to practice, is to chew every bite 30 times or more. You fully chew something until it gets broken down and uh, and uptake so that you can best uptake it into the body. So eat slowly, enjoy your food, be present to your food, and um, all the things that go with gratitude and things like that. If you can do this, the uptake process of your food is going to work a lot better because the digestion process is, is a comprehensive process. And then, of course, the elimination is that you should be uh, pay attention to what your bowel movements are. Ideally, you should be having at least one bowel movement per day and ideally, if you're waking up in the morning, maybe you have a cup of coffee, and within a short period of time after that, you're having a good bowel movement, there is a lot that you can learn from paying attention to your stools. It's kind of, it's kind of a gross topic. A lot of people don't like to talk about it, but anytime you go and talk to a, uh, you know, most of the time you talk to a doctor, a nurse, or, or paramedic, it's merely the output of the food that we eat. And it's, there's a ton of information you can gain from what the output looks like from food. Enough about that. The final piece is function. So with function, um, I don't have anything great here, but with function, I guess I would say that with, uh, with exercise is you need to pay just as much attention to how hard you're working out as much as you are recovering. So you think about doing a real hard workout um, and you also need to allow enough time for recovery. So you got the intake, uptake, output. I'm not sure there's a real great clear example for function, 
that'll come as this idea progresses and evolves. But absolutely, if you're going to work out, have the best form possible. And then you think about there's, there is this exertion piece of working out, but there is also a resting piece to it. So you need to incorporate both the exertion and also the rest as part of your workout is that working out is not near, not merely, uh, you know, all of your growth happens during rest and recovery. So you should be training just as hard on your sleep, on your nutrition, on your hydration and on your breathing and also getting the right types of light. And you're going to optimize your performance in the gym. And then if you want to um, expand this into strength and whatever specific sport you're training for, you can apply all these to help optimize your, your recovery, your performance and everything else. So that's it for today. I appreciate you listening. Um, if you got any questions, I'll be posting this, this format and I'll continue to share it. If you want to reach out to me and have questions on it or want a copy of this framework, shoot me a message. Um, I appreciate you listening and I'll keep you all updated on this, um, on this run. So I'll let you know if I, I'm hopefully that I I'm victorious. The next episode, I see how I've got this cool belt buckle and I ran a hundred miles and everything worked out, but, um, I'm not, you know, it's an uncertain outcome. So wish you the best and we'll stay in touch. Thank you.